God in heaven, we praise you for the blood of Jesus Christ, your one and only Son. We praise you, God, for the blood that was shed on our behalf so that we could be called right in your sight, sons and daughters of the Most High King. There's nothing in the world we could do to make ourselves worthy. It all depended on Jesus' blood. And we do. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For the precious blood of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. You have earned it singing like that. Holy smokes. Man, wasn't that good? Mm. Mm. That's, yeah, go ahead. So, 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 so good. I will try not to let you down from here on out. Um, yesterday, my wife and I celebrated our anniversary, and we did it, um, you know, in a way that, that I feel like you ought to, um, as a husband who's trying to st- keep like the romance alive and that sort of thing, like trying to plug away. I uh, took uh, for dinner and a movie my precious wife, Megan, and all four of our children. (laughs) Yep. And uh, it was fun. We had a blast. We had an absolute blast. We, uh, We watched the movie Space Jam, and big spoiler alert here, okay? So just if you don't want spoilers, I'm I'm warning you. LeBron James is still not the GOAT. I don't care what you say. He's just not. He's not. But it was a fun movie. We had a good time doing that. Um, I want to to get into God's Word with you this morning, Um, kind of, in a way, picking up where we left off with the Scripture reading. So if you will turn in your copy of God's Word, whether that be... um, a Bible that looks like this, a phone or another device, it'll be on the screen as well, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. We're going to read the text and then we will um, we'll go back and talk through, through it. Colossians 1, verse 24. Paul says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. 
We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know how much I agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Verse 6, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Father in heaven, we thank you for welcoming us into your presence this morning to worship you in a way that was mighty and powerful, that was led by your spirit and governed by the truth of your word. God, we pray that you would help us continue to follow Jesus, that our roots would grow deep into him, that our lives would be built on him, that our faith can be strong, and that we can overflow with thanksgiving. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus, and your Son, and through the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. Alrighty, so I did a thing. I broke from chapter one into chapter two. You can do that. That's completely allowed. We won't get into why today. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church, the believers there, probably around the late 50s, early 60s. And this was written while he was in prison. You may ask Keaton, how do you know that? Well, because at the end of the letter, the very last verse in chapter 4, verse 18, Paul says, Here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. And so we see that Paul is obviously writing from prison. Most people tend to think this is when he was imprisoned at Rome, which would have put the letter kind of around that early 60s, maybe late 50s mark. Um, also, just for our information, Paul would have likely been writing this to the, the believers um, in the Colossian church whom he never met before. And you see he makes reference to that in chapter 2, verse 1. He said, um, and for many other believers who I've never met personally. So um, what's going on here is that this, this is one of the churches that Paul didn't establish 
most likely, on his missionary journey. This church was probably established by a guy named Epaphras, and I'm probably not saying that right either, but that's how I'm going to say it from here on out. So Epaphras likely established this church uh, in, in Colossae, and then he goes to Paul, who is in prison, and he tells Paul of the great faith and the love that this group of people, this church, this body of Christ has for one another. And then he also shares with them that there's an issue in the church, specifically an issue of false teaching. And so Paul responds to this church with this letter that we have and call today the book of Colossians. He starts the letter by encouraging the church for their faith and love. And then he makes much of Jesus. You really can't go wrong doing that, right? Paul makes much of Jesus, and that's the text that Grant read for us earlier. He, he talks about how Christ is supreme and how Christ is the head of the body, his church. And then we get to the part in the letter that we're going to camp out on today. So I'd like to go look back again at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Paul says, I am glad when I suffer. Say, what? I'm glad when I suffer. Some translations say, uh, now I rejoice in my sufferings. And last week, Pastor Todd talked to us a little bit about rejoicing from the Gospel of Luke. And he said that we should rejoice because our names are written in heaven. Our names are written in heaven. We have a couple of people with a retention uh, ability I'm not one of those people. I had to, I had to listen to the sermon uh, while I was driving down the road, and then my phone ran out of battery, and I thought that everything was gone. Like, I didn't know what happened. Um, we rejoice because our names are written in heaven. Our, our names are on the registry of heaven. How many of you can rejoice that that's the case this morning? Amen. Amen. We have much reason to rejoice. Our names are registered in heaven, church. And here Paul says, now I rejoice when I suffer. Wow. What a dialectic pair that is. I rejoice because my name is in heaven. Paul says, I rejoice in my suffering. It's a little strange. I rejoice when I suffer. How can Paul say that? How can Paul do that? How can he be glad in suffering? If we keep reading, he says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. I'm glad when I physically suffer, Colossians 1.24, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. So there's a ton here, but he says, I'm glad when I suffer because I am participating in the suffering of Christ. Paul would have not been a stranger to suffering. You're talking about a man who would have been shipwrecked, a man who was beaten, and a man who was imprisoned multiple times for sharing the good news of the gospel, for proclaiming Jesus Christ and him crucified. He also says, this suffering I rejoice in, I am glad in, because it is part of the continued work of the body 
of Christ. And he gives us this truth. We have an opportunity to join with Christ in his suffering. And when we endure suffering, when we unite with Christ in his suffering, we are also uniting with Christ in his glory. If you will turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. I'm actually going to give a little context with verse 12. He says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. So I said it's strange that Paul says, I am glad in my suffering. Here, Peter says it's not that strange to go through trials. And then verse 13, listen to this. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. What did we read there? Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified on a rugged cross, who shed his blood in a violent way, he was treated. He suffered. And here we're told that we can join with Christ in his suffering. We don't have time today to unpack all the doctrine of our union with Christ as his born-again sons and daughters of the Father, as his co-heirs. But it's a beautiful truth that we have the opportunity to join with Christ when we endure suffering. We can unite with him in that suffering and share with him in his glory. So the first point that I think Paul was trying to get across to the church uh, in Colossae and that we need to take for ourselves this morning is this. Rejoice in suffering. Why? Because by sharing in Christ's suffering, we too can share in his glory. At the very end of verse 27, we see that that's true. He says, this gives you assurance of sharing in his, whose? Christ's glory. Let's go on reading in verse 25. Paul says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Paul felt responsible to serve. And his service to Christ's church, to Christ's body, was proclaiming the entire message of God's word that we had at the time, proclaiming the entire truth of the good news of the gospel to the church. And I'll tell you, church, Holland Chapel, that's the responsibility of us, your pastors, as well, to proclaim the whole of God's word in its entirety to you. And we take that responsibility of service very, very seriously. And that's why we preach through Numbers, and I'll be honest with you, when, when that idea came up in staff meeting, I was like, numbers of the books? At least it wasn't Lamentations or something like that. But we have the responsibility. All of God's word is profitable, amen? It's profitable for rebuke, for teaching, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And it's our job to proclaim the whole of God's word to you, the church. This was Paul's responsibility of service. 
our second point today, church, what is, what is your responsibility? How are you responsible to serve? How are you responsible to serve? Grant mentioned our connect cards this morning. Yours could be orange. It could be yellow. On the back there it says, sign me up to serve. Listen, here at Holland Chapel, we want to keep things as simple as we can. We think it's important that every person who is plugged into Holland Chapel worships the living God together. That you connect in some kind of group where you can know and be known and that you serve in and through the Lord's church for the goodness and betterment of his kingdom. That's it. Those three things. Worship, connect, and serve. We need your help in HC Kids, in HCSM, with Amplify. Sign up to serve. Don't just be a consumer of things, but make sure there's output as well. We need to be serving. So find what, how can you be responsible to serve this morning? Verse 26 and 27. Paul says, This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. What once was secret has been revealed. The God that longed for relationship with his own people had made relationship with the Jewish people. And he says, to you Gentiles, it was a secret. These things were unknown. You had no understanding of who I was, how mighty and powerful and loving and compassionate a God I was. But now this secret, this thing that has been kept hidden for generations past, it has been revealed to you. And this church is the secret. Christ lives in you. That statement was true for the church in Colossae. And Church, Holland Chapel, that statement is true for you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ lives in you. Look at your neighbor and say, Christ lives in you. Because he does. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you are following Jesus, Christ lives in you. Verse 28. Paul says, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us, and we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. The next thing that was important for Paul to get across to this church was that he wanted so desperately for them to be perfect, to be mature, to be complete in Christ. Here in the translation we're reading, he says perfect, but that's the idea. He, he wants for their process to be striving towards maturity, striving towards a completeness in Christ. And, and will, did this church ever realize that perfection, that maturity completely in Christ? No, they didn't, not while on earth. But we're striving towards that, knowing that we won't quite get there, but one day Jesus will come back, He'll take us to glory, and we will be perfect. Now, does that mean we just sit on our hands and wait around and be lethargic and, and not up to any good? Absolutely not. We, we are still in this process of striving 
just like this church was, we are striving towards being perfect, mature, complete in Christ. And church, that's our desire for you. That's why we're making a big deal this fall about expanding HC groups. That's why we're making a big deal this fall about expanding disciples' path. We know, listen, we know we cannot program people towards spiritual maturity. We know that. That's impossible. But we want to equip you with all of the tools we can give at to, to make them ready available to you. Just as Paul and Epaphras did this church, they provided these tools. And then at the end of the day, we rely on Jesus to do the transformative work that only he can do, which leads us to verse 29. Paul says, that's why I work and struggle so hard. And yet... I'm depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. We want to provide all of these things with HG groups expanding, with the disciples' path giving us a clear direction towards knowing God's word and putting God's word into practice. But we can't program maturity, but we depend on Christ to transform us. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself in him lie all hidden treasures and wisdom and knowledge. So Paul says, I want you to know how much agony I've been through. And not only you, but all the people that never even met me. Why in the world would he say that? Well, if I was writing it, it's because I, I'm a whiner. Like, I don't like that about myself, but it's true. If I'm going through it, you're going to know about it. I just tend to whine, okay? And that's what Paul's doing here, right? Absolutely not. He tells us why. I want you to know that I've agonized for you and for this other church at Laodicea and for all the people I've never met before. Why? Because I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be knit together by strong ties of love. And I want you to have complete confidence and to understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Verse 3, this is so good. In him, who? Christ. In Christ lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, Paul starts to address this issue of false teachers. And he says, I'm telling you all this. Everything we just covered, everything that Grant read earlier about Christ's supremacy and him being the head of the church, I tell you all of this stuff. Why? I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with these well-crafted arguments. For even though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. This was likely a church that was set in a culture that would have just been absolutely enamored with philosophy. The, the heroes of the day would have been the people uh, who were best capable of 
of being articulate in debate. Okay, so whereas our heroes in our culture are the NBA superstars or whatever, whomever you say that is your kind of heroes in, in culture, maybe it's the, uh, the athletes in the Olympics that are wearing the USA on their chest, whoever it is, their heroes would have been the, the greatest orators of the day, the ones who could, who could speak and win the most arguments because that's the way that Greek culture was set up. Whoever, whoever could win the argument, the greatest debater was the hero of the day. And so Paul warns against them being tricked by these well-crafted arguments, by these cunning speakers. And then once again, Paul rejoices and commends their faith. And, and I want you to know, Holland Chapel, that your pastors, we, we want to rejoice and to delight with you. When we see you living as you should, to borrow from Paul's words. When we can sit back and observe your strong faith, it brings a smile over our faces. Or for me, in this case this morning, a lot of big old tears to my eyes sitting here worshiping with you this morning. We delight in that. Paul delighted in seeing that as well. And we want to do our best to see to it that we are all striving towards spiritual maturity in Christ so that we're not tripped up by our, our culture's stumbling blocks because we have them, don't we, church? Don't we? Our church, our church, I hope that's not true. Our culture is always berating us with things that can distract us over and over. If you're like me, I, I become desensitized to it. I've seen, I see it so much I don't even recognize that's a distraction. That's going to take me off course. So I need to be laser focused on making sure that my faith is growing in Christ, that I am becoming more and more mature in Christ, and I will not stumble over these stones that the culture is putting in place of our walk with Jesus. So that list of, of things that I think Paul was trying to get across to the Colossian church and that I think we can apply in our lives, again, goes something like this. Rejoice in suffering. Be responsible to serve. Remember, Christ lives in you. And become perfect, mature, complete in Christ. And I think a couple of ways we can do that, church, is sign up to serve. You want to be responsible to serve? Pick, pick an option to serve. And if it doesn't, like, if that doesn't just fit you really well, that's fine. Try something else. We want you to serve in a way that you are passionate and that you can sustain for a long time for the sake of the Lord's church. On your way out, I would encourage you to pick up this on the tables in the back. It's a list of the HC groups we're going to offer this fall. And I'm telling you, I am pumped up about these groups this fall. There are some good things happening here. And we want to see our church grow in Christ this fall again. It's not going to happen by magic just because we're doing this. We're depending on Christ for transformation. But we're excited about these offerings in the fall. So pick one of those up on your way out. The best applications for any passage we study in Scripture are when the author provides you those applications. And so I'd love to read verses 6 and 7 with you again. Paul tells this church, 
I am telling you this. Sorry, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. This first part of this cause and effect list that Paul lays out here says, now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. But I would say to you today, if you have never done that, then the secret we talked about earlier, it hasn't been revealed to you yet. The truth that Christ lives in you, it isn't true for you yet. The scripture is very plain. And I'll read it again. He says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, and then you must continue to follow him. But if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord, then Christ does not live in you, and it is impossible for you to follow him. It is impossible for your roots to grow deep in him, for you to build your life on him and to grow strong in your faith. But there's good news, church. Jesus, God himself, he left heaven. He was born as a baby so that he could experience life as we do. He lived completely sinlessly, although being tempted in every way as we are. He died innocently. And in doing so, he made payment for your sins and for my sins by spilling his own blood. Church, there is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood. It's by the blood that we are called sons and daughters, and we are ransomed by our Father through the blood. Jesus spilled that blood. He died on the cross. And as the song says, he was buried for three days. But then he walked right out again. Wow. But listen to me. Those whom are called the sons and daughters, they celebrate that. Why? Because Christ lives in them. Christ lives in me. But if he does not live in you this morning, unbeliever, I plead with you. Jesus conquered death. He conquered hell, and he conquered the grave. This is the truth. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we preach unabashedly, unashamedly, because it's the truth. He died for you because he wants to live in you. Let me read these verses again in a way that speaks to the unbeliever. Verses 6 and 7 of Colossians chapter 2. So now, accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and follow him and then your roots will grow down into him and your life your life will be built on him 
And your faith will finally grow strong in the truth that you are being taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. We beg you to accept Jesus as your Lord. We long for you to be called son or daughter of the Father. We can call you brother and sister in Christ. So if you are an unbeliever this morning and the Spirit of God is moving on your heart, we pray that you would accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and begin today to follow him. God in heaven, I'm thankful for your sons and daughters in this room who can celebrate those last two verses that we've read, who have experienced those last two verses that we've read, who are growing in maturity in Christ because Christ lives in them. And although it's probably not been a linear path, it's probably been messy and had its ups and downs, they can look over the course of their life and see that you've been good, you have been faithful, you have been growing them in their faith, and it hasn't been something maybe that they would have chosen, but you chose it to better them, to make them more perfect, mature, complete in Christ. But God, for the unbeliever that may be hearing this this morning, I pray that if your spirit is moving on their hearts, that then they would move to accept Christ Jesus as Lord and begin to follow him. I pray that even in this room, God, that if someone is feeling the need that they're being drawn to the cross of Calvary, that they would go back here to our Connect Corner in the back and have a conversation with David or Kathy and find out more what it means to accept Jesus. For those that are watching and listening online, God, I pray that they would reach out through that online Connect card, texting to 94000 Connect HC, or however, reach out to someone to find out about the hope they can have in Christ. We're depending on you, just as Paul did, to do the transformative work that only you can do. And we beg you to do it. And when we see it, may we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.